It's Pete Price, and my podcast today is incredibly important, and I really, I don't ask this question, but I want you to please pass it on to other people, because if I can help somebody on this, through this interview with these lovely people around this table, I will be delighted. I have done my job. I am one of the fortunate people that was adopted. I hate to think where my life might have gone. Um, because I didn't know what was going on. But I was given away by my birth mother to the most wonderful lady on God's earth, Hilda May Price, who I lost. I kiss her picture every morning and I speak to her every day of my life because she was my world. When I think, and over the years on radio, I've covered fostering so many times. When I think of adoption, when I think of fostering, I want to help other people because... I just want to give somebody else the chance that I had. So I'm going to be talking to Phil Watson, who is a foster carer, to Karen Wally, who is a foster marketing, and we're going to talk about the council and what, what the involvement is, and Phil Windsor, who is the team manager. So I've got these lovely three people with me. Um, I'm going to start because I want to talk to Phil about fostering and the pitfalls, the downside. I don't want to be negative, but I need to ask questions. I'm going to talk to Phil first about being a foster carer, and then Karen will sum it all up for me. So, first of all, thank you all. Uh, let's start with Phil. Phil Watson, you're a foster carer. Please tell me how many years and a bit about it. Hi, everybody. Yeah, we started fostering 13 years ago. It was all down to my wife. Uh, she said to me, uh, rather casually, should we go and find out about fostering? And I went, well, why not? Like, any good husband we got a babysitter for our two birth kids we set off from our semi-detached pebble dashed home just off penny lane set, set off to sefton park community center if you know it um sat there rather nervously with a bunch of other people single people married people gay straight black white all sorts um a social worker spoke to us and quite frankly i didn't understand half of what they said then a lady who fostered spoke to us and she was such an incredible woman she fostered teenagers that i just thought we can't do that we can't be that amazing she was looking after teenagers that were up to all sorts of mischief i said you know we've we've got a couple of kids at home we can't do this and then the third person who spoke at our uh, introductory event was a young woman who'd grown up in care and she stared at the group of adults in the room and said could you make the worst day of a child's life better? Could you, on a day when a child's life has fallen apart, they can't live with their mum and dad, there's normally reasons like drugs, alcohol, violence, never good reasons, never the child's fault. Could you look after a child on that day and make that day less bad? We went home. We chatted about it long into the night. We thought about our own kids who were five and seven. And we thought, what if, God forbid, they ever had to go into care because we couldn't look after them? Well, we've got a massive family. We've got brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, grandparents. They'd all step in. But what about for the kids that haven't got family who can't step in? We would want somebody like us to look after them because we know we'd we knew we'd do our best. So we applied. Uh, it's the same system now. We basically, well, my wife did most of this, to tell you the truth. She's the kind of brains of the outfit. We rung up. We said we'd like to foster. Social worker came round to our house. Um, it took about six months to do loads of checks, uh, find out who we were, find out why we wanted to do this, what was our life story. Um, and then we got approved. Uh, that's a technical term, to foster one child. And we said, because our kids were six and eight at the time, we'd want a, a child that was younger. And very quickly, we got a phone call from a social worker saying, could you take a little boy? Could he, could he arrive this Thursday? Right, let me stop you there. So there's the basis of the story. The first thing that comes to my mind is that I have to ask, 
How did your two children, what I love about you is you've got a great personality. I've seen you talk and yeah, but the reason I mentioned you've got a great personality is that a lot of people out there listening are shy and totally different to you. First of all, how did your two birth children cope? Well, you've got to make them part of the whole process. So we said to our, our two, Anna and Jamie, we said, right, we've got this idea to look after children that haven't got a mummy and a daddy, haven't got a home like you have. What do you think? And they were pretty excited about it. And it was part of the process. Social worker said to us, uh, she was called Pam, our social worker, I need to chat to your kids individually without you being there. And um, our daughter was very excited about having a, a younger sibling that she could help look after. Our son, Jamie, uh, was excited because he thought it'd be somebody to play football with. This is not the reason to foster, OK? Uh, just because you want... No, but hang on, kid. this is kids. Yeah. This is children. Exactly, yeah. So this is the <laughs> honesty. Yeah, exactly, children. exactly yeah. that. But um, and I remember the social worker saying, saying to us, um, saying to my kids, well, what if a, a foster child broke some of your toys? And our, our daughter, Anna, said, well, our dad says, our mum says, if anything ever gets broken, it will be replaced. And we've actually always held to that. Um, we haven't had a lot of mischief and damage. Uh, however, on one occasion, one foster kid did decide, I think he was about seven, he was a cracking little lad. He, um, he got into our daughter's bedroom and she was about 14, 15, good scouse girl. She had a full length mirror in her bedroom. You can imagine the sort of thing where before she, she went anywhere, she'd stand in front of it, preen herself, make herself look beautiful, beautiful young lady. Anyway, our, our little foster kid had got in there. He'd obviously seen her do this and thought, well, I'm gonna have a go at that. And he'd seen himself in this full length mirror and he thought, I'm gonna draw myself. So he looked at what was to hand and there were some lipsticks on the side in our daughter's bedroom. So so he looked at this himself in the mirror and he basically, if you imagine everybody, he traced around himself. So on her mirror was a three and a half foot tall picture of this foster kid. My daughter went, guess what he's done? In a not too content manner. And I went, what's he done? And he's ruined my lipsticks. He's drawn himself. And I went, hey, you know the rules. The rules are simple. If a foster kid damages anything of yours, it's very rarely happened to us, we will replace it. And now I'm a bit of a dad of a certain age, and I just thought, you know, what's this going to cost, 20 quid or something? And I don't know if I'm allowed to mention the brands, but my daughter went, are you, joke are you joking, 20 quid? He's ruined a Mac. He's ruined a, is it Claire, Claire, I don't know, I don't know what the brands were. Expensive. Expensive, that's what I was trying to get to. Anyway, so this little escapade did cost me the best part of 80 quid. Right, but, that, yeah. there you go. Right, now... How many children have you fostered over the years? Uh, only seven. Right. Of the seven, and while you've had the seven, here's your first negative mm. question. How many times have your children uh, come up to you and said, don't like this, getting us down? It's only ever happened once, and it was an emergency situation. So this, we've always fostered children younger than our own. So the pecking order has been very clear. So a new child has arrived... Um, and they've seen that there's a, a boy, our son, and a girl who's older than them, and that's always worked pretty well. However, on one occasion, we got a phone call uh, about one in the afternoon, and it was a social worker saying, can you take a lad? Uh, he's 10, and he's Russian. And we were like, when do you want us to do this? Because normally we wouldn't take a 10-year-old. And they went, well, look, um, the situation's this. He doesn't even know he's in care yet. His mum has had some kind of medical issue. We need to go and get him from his school. He's going into, there's nowhere else for him to go. And he's gonna, he needs, he needs fostering straight away now. And we went, okay, 10 year old Russian. Um, you know, when is this gonna happen? They went, two hours? We'll drop him off in two hours. So we're like, whoa, okay. Social worker, this is the reality of it. Social worker goes to this young lad's school. He's 10, he's in part of our city. Um, talks to the head teacher and says, the mum of this lad is in hospital. She cannot look after him. 
he's coming into foster care. This lad is 10. He thinks he's going home to his mum to play on his PlayStation, play on his Xbox, watch the telly, whatever. He's walking out of the school. Head teacher and this social worker swoop in, pick him up, take him into the head teacher's office. Nobody ever wants to go and see the head teacher, do they? No offence to head teachers. Um, and the social worker has to explain to him, you can't go home to your mum. You can't go home to your flat. You can't go home and get any of your stuff. You're going to go with this social work. I mean, what do we tell kids? Never go with strangers. And he's been convinced, this lad, you've got to get in the car, go to across Liverpool to another part of the city where you've never been, and you are going to be left with some other strangers, and we'll see what happens tomorrow. That's the reality sometimes of fostering. So anyway, social worker who's never met us. So she's driving this lad from one part of Liverpool two hours by Penny Lane. What she chats to him in those 20, 30 minutes, I do not know. Because you can't say, how's your day been? What are you up to at the week? You know, all the normal questions have gone. Anyway, we're told this lad's a, uh, a Russian. Don't know why I'm laughing. It's sort of funny. So I'd been on YouTube to find out how to say hello in Russian. I'm a language teacher, so I quite like languages. Anyway, my wife said, I'll talk to the social worker. You talk to this 10-year-old lad. Social worker comes in. This lad comes in. He's in the same school uniform that he left, you know, his house in in the morning. He's got no clothes for the weekend or the week. He's got nothing with him for, for an overnight stay. And we don't even know how long he's going to be with us. He comes in and I say to him, Privyet! And he looks at me and goes, what? And I go, Privyet! And he goes, what? And I go, Privyet! It's Russian for how are you? And he goes, yeah, but why are you speaking? Why are you speaking Russian? I'm not from Russia. I'm from Moldova. And I went, Moldova? Where's Moldova? He goes, I don't know, mate, but it's nowhere near Russia. Anyway, we had this lovely little chat about why Moldova is, in fact, nowhere near Russia. So we were told he was 10. We were told he was a boy. Tick, tick. We were told he was Russian. He wasn't from anywhere actually near Russia. It's a thousand miles away. Now, this is a very long way of answering your question. That 10-year-old came as an emergency and we did the best we could. We found a place. He was able to go back to his regular school because he was safe and happy there. He lived with us for six months. But because he was the same age as our daughter, within a couple of months, they clashed. Not in, a, not in a horrible way, but just in a way that you wouldn't normally have two kids the same age, totally different families in the same place at the same time. So our daughter just said after a few months, because those were our rules, um, hi, you know, we used to check in regularly. You happy? You OK? And she'd go, this isn't working for me. It's just I'm feeling uncomfortable in my own home. And what was the outcome? The outcome was we rung our social worker and went, look, it's fine. He's safe. But long term, this isn't going to work. So the social workers said, no problem, thanks for telling us. We've got other foster carers that we can ask about looking after him. Um, and the outcome was he went to go and look. He went to go and live with some other foster carers. We still had contact. He used to come and visit for tea and stuff. He eventually went back to Moldova to live there, lost contact completely. Then uh, one evening, about one in the morning, one evening, one night, one in the morning, the phone pinged because I'm called Foster Phil on Instagram. Uh, and uh, I had a message from a kid. Or a young man saying, it's going to make me cry, Pete. He goes, are you, are you Phil? And I went, I am Phil, who are you? And he goes, have you got a wife called Helena? I went, yeah. Do you live by Penny Lane? Yeah, I do. He goes, do you remember fostering me? And I was like, oh, it's you, George, it's you. And he says, you know, I can use his name quite happily now. So, That's interesting. Yeah. I love my friends to death, but I can't wait for them to leave my house. <laughs> What's it like having a total stranger in your house? You've done it a while now, so yeah. it's different. But the first time must have been different. The first time is very unusual, but you have to understand that however perhaps nervous you feel about it, that child is terrified. Now, that fear might look like aggression or indifference 
or anger, but actually deep down they're scared. Because whenever you go to somebody else's house, now I'm a bit of an extrovert, but whenever you go to somebody else's house, you feel like, what's the rules? How does this work? Where, where's the toilet? Where's the, where, you know, can you just go to the fridge? Can you just help yourself? And it's trying to make that child feel that your home is their home, however temporary it is. When a new child arrives, there is a, a sense of adjustment, but you're the host, you're the grown-up. Your job, and it isn't just babysitting, your job is to make that child, well, I would say it's two, you've got to keep them safe, then you've got to convince them that they are safe. And those are actually very different things because a child will typically be terrified when they arrive in your own. Right, we've got a terrified child arriving, which we understand completely and utterly. Phil Windsor, what actually is your role in, in fostering? So I'm the team manager for the uh, assessment and recruitment of foster carers. So I have a team of social workers who will uh, respond to the to the people who inquire, <clears throat> and also they assess them um, right. as foster carers. So they take them through the process that Phil has been through. Right. I want to be negative now and get some of the negative vibes I've got over the years. First of all, there's that child that's nervous. Now, to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, to me, one thing foster children need more than anything in the world, and I'm getting upset now, is love. Because it's the love that they've missed and the attention they've missed. But there are rules in place, aren't there? Can you explain this? Because, and, and, and break the myths if they are myths, but I've been told you can't hug them, you can't tuck them into bed. Talk to me. Well, the simple answer is, is that you can hug them and you can tuck them into bed because we encourage that uh, the foster children are shown affection and the hugs and, and the, um, you know, as long as it's what that child wants and as long as it's led by them. And one thing that I think that we need to say is that, like, you know, when children are, you know, upset or when they've come to a placement, you know, you, you ask them, you know, do you, do you want a hug? You know, would you want me to give you the hug? Sometimes they'll tell you to, to do one, or sometimes they'll they'll say, yeah, I do. You know, and it's just breaking that down, really, and building a relationship up. But, you know, there is definitely myths around, like, you can't hug children, because obviously when you... Uh, even when you go on Google and you look at some of the articles historically of, like, you know, certain newspapers have said, you know, like, foster care can't hug, hug children. You know, it's, it's loads of rubbish. As long as the child uh, need, uh, wants that hug, because obviously you don't go around hugging any child in the street in general, but at the same time you still treat them as your own and you still give them that affection that they need at the time. How hard is it to place a child? Because all through my years on Radio City with my late night phone in, I've always helped fostering because it's important to me. It's an ongoing battle all the time, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of placing the children, you know, um, I've, I've been on that end of things as well, you know, when, I, when I've, um, you know, been, been a social worker as well, you know, before I was a manager. And I think... Um, you know, having that conversation with a young person that they're not going to be going home to the place that they've lived for, for all their life and they're not going to see the parents that they're going to, you know, they're, even though there might be the violence and the drugs and drink, they're still net, they'll still always love that parent no matter what, no matter what they've done or, or what they've uh, exposed the child to. So I think... Um, having that conversation of like, you know, at this time, you know, you're going to have to go into foster care because your mum and dad aren't coping uh, and things like that. Very, very, the first thing that we do is, is ask the parents about family members because that's the first point of call. Who's the family member, grandparent, aunt, uncle, 
who might look after the young person and then hopefully we do a police check and hopefully everything's fine with that as well. And, and then um, we do then assess that family member as a foster carer as well. Right. Um, so obviously if, if there's no family members, because obviously family is the most important thing that we, that we look at first... But then, obviously, we look at like the likes of Phil and other foster carers who who the children will go to, and then it's having that difficult conversation with them to say you're not going to go home, but you're going to go into foster care, and then it's obviously hopefully the foster care would know all about that young person then as well, and you know, like Phil said, it is one of the most difficult things because I've taken bags and the belongings from whatever we could get from the home and take them there, and it's very much a do you want me to stay? Because usually I've got the relationship with the young person. Do you want me to stay with you? Very often, sometimes they just want something to eat or they want to go to whatever bedroom that they've got. And maybe maybe we can arrange contact, you know, a bit of phone contact with the mum or dad or stuff like that. Because that's sometimes the first question they ask is, when am I going to see my mum and dad? Which you understand. Uh, money is involved. They get money to help. There's a myth out there that some people do it for the money. What's your answer to that? <laughs> Well, the the quick answer is is that the, the pay isn't isn't enough to be living on and to be to be um, to, to afford your mortgage and afford the, the the cost of living at the moment. You know, in terms of shopping, you know, unfortunately, the 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 pay isn't a salary like and and it isn't enough probably to live on. Um, and people very often work part time or work at the same time as well if if they've got a partner or husband or wife who might work full-time. So let me stop you there. So people don't do it for the money? No, no, they don't do it for the money. Um, Because obviously, like, I think... It's got to be, first and foremost, for the child and, and for, for the love and the care and, and the way that you think about making sure, like exactly what Phil said, about keeping children safe, you know, and then the money is just just the next thing on that. And But, but before that, though, is the support. Yeah. What support is the young person going to get when, when they're living with you, but also what support is the foster care going to get? I think they're the two before the money comes into play. Karen, um, I was thrilled the other day to um, come to Fact where you launched a video and there was a lovely audience, uh, a lot of people there. It's an uphill battle, isn't it, to get people to foster? It is, yeah. A lot of people inquire with us. We got loads of inquiries because people see the need, they respond to the real inspiring stories. But it's the reality of whether fostering can fit within people's lives. And that's the challenge because, you know, looking after um, a cared for child, you know, people think they can kind of fit the child around their lives without having to adapt their lives. And what we need is people to be able to prioritise the needs of the child. So if they are, you know, doing school runs and, and they're, they're going to be there at the end of school, we can't rely from day one on after school clubs. In time it can be, but initially that child needs the foster carer there for them. So the reality for some people of, I'd love to do it, does it fit around my life? Would I need to cut down my hours? And then working out that, those finances, that's a bit of a challenge. Now, there's been a huge change in the world over fostering because anybody is, is eligible to foster. Tell us about that. Yeah, so anyone can foster. A lot of people work from home as well, so fostering is a really flexible um, job vocation that people can do and there's different types of fostering as well so you don't come into fostering with a long-term permanent 
arrangement from day one. You can come in and you could do respite, which is like part-time fostering. So we've got an information event in a couple of weeks and we've got a, a foster carer who's, I think she's a deputy head at a school. She does respite care, so she looks after young people in, it could be an emergency, it could be planned respite. And she, um, for a couple of years, has been supporting a young girl, a young lady who was in residential care. So let um, me just stop you there for people listening. So for instance, uh, a couple, a mother might go into hospital and then the child, so that's what you mean by uh, uh, respite care? Yes, yeah, it, so it could be that it's an emergency and the child's just come into care, or it could be that the existing foster carers and the child are having a really tricky time and they need a bit of time apart and the child might need a bit of time to reset um, so there's a variety of scenarios but this one particular lady Nicola, who's coming to the information event, she supported a young girl who was in a residential setting. She was in a children's home, and um, she had a and they built up a really good bond. And she invited this young person to stay with the family for Christmas, which was a lovely thing to do. So without like an yeah, on, ongoing yeah, kind of arrangement, yeah. for without them. getting into a minefield, because we're we're just going to be simplistic about this. Because by the way, all of you will tell you how you can find out about fostering at the end, and I really do want you to pass this. Uh, uh, podcast on to everybody because if we can all help children it's going to be a better world right sexuality and it is a minefield and I'm not going to get into all the different sections but is that a problem um to um no no not at all literally you could be married straight single gay um the only the main requirements are you're over 21 you've got a spare room if you're going to be caring for a child over the age of two up to the age of two they can stay in your room and you've got the capacity and you care for children you're passionate about caring for children you've got the capacity in your life and that's it so we've got a brilliant foster carer who came to the um, film launch event a single gay male foster carer and his first young person he looked after was a teenage girl and on paper that's like whoa but it worked really well and now she's with him permanently. So we try and share stories of a variety of foster carers from different backgrounds to make people kind of hopefully identify themselves and go, you know what, I'm, I could do it. Um, that night, uh, the, or the showings of the film, did you get a good response from that? for new foster carers or was that just a launch to remind people about fostering yeah so that was a launch to really um contacts within the city organizations groups because we think it's a city-wide problem it's not just about when the children need a foster carer on this day it's about the lifelong effects of being in a good foster placement and the and the life chances versus not having those chances. So we called upon local organisations, Alder Hay are becoming fostering friendly, we've got University of Liverpool who are, to kind of um, ask for their support in spreading the word, uh, supporting us become fostering friendly, give us opportunities for looked after young people as well, if there's any work placement. So that was kind of the point of that event really. While we're talking to you now, let's get the first plug in. How can they find out about fostering? So they can visit our website, which is fostering.liverpool.gov.uk. If they Google fostering in Liverpool, we'll come up. Uh, we'll send information out. And we understand that it's a really big decision as well. So we'll have people that inquire with us. And they'll come back to us like two, three years later. There's people that we're emailing, just generally keeping up to date and keeping informed. And they've registered to come to an information event two years later because it's all about the timing for people. You know, it's, it's about having that space, having that capacity. So yeah, visit the website. They can call us on um, 0151 515 
0000. And again, slowly. 0151 515 0000. Smash him. Phil, how much say does, do the children have in this? Well, the, we have a Children and Care Council for Liverpool City Council and they have an input into um, the recruitment process and uh, we're trying to make them part of the fostering panel as well, you know, when foster cares are recruited. Um, but, but it's massive really, as, you know, in terms of like um, when the children uh, do come into care and they are in care, you know, whatever needs that they, they have got, we need the people to meet that need as well. And, and obviously we have a responsibility for supporting foster carers to do that as well. But I think, um, yeah, part of the, when the children um, are part of the Children in Care Council, they, they do have a say in, you know, what their views are on foster care, being in care. It's interesting what Karen just said, which is brilliant, that they can be interested, but there's no pressure that they can come back in a year, come back in two years. I love that, because that's giving them the idea. So there's no pressure from your office? No, no. Uh, obviously, we, we do need foster carers, as you, can, as you can understand. You know, there's far too many children. No, but if somebody is registered, you don't pass no, them, but no. you just send there's your so, email, etc. So the process yeah. is that if you inquire, mm -hmm. you get an initial email. Someone from my team will ring you up either the, the same day or the next day. Yeah. We'll just say, when do you want to have a conversation? It's whenever you want to arrange that conversation. And then if that person says, yes, I'm ready to foster and we uh, find out information about that, then if they're ready to go, that's fine. But if they're not ready to go and they say, you know, certain things have got to happen, you know, adult children may be leaving the home or something's going on in the personal life, you know, about like a, a, a parent might be unwell or whatever it might be. You know, um, we've had um, one of Phil's um, friends actually in, in the school he works in inquired seven, eight years ago. And we've actually been in... Phil's been obviously talking to her at school, but in terms of uh, having conversations with her, she, she's come to information events. That was seven years ago. So it's, it's, it's obviously within that period of time. Obviously, like I said, we do need foster carers, but, you know, um, it's whenever you're ready. Tell me, <clears throat> children are very damaged. Some aren't, some are just there because their parents are ill, whatever. But the very damaged children... The foster parents have got them and can't handle them or can't cope with it. What happens? So, um, you know, the, the, the ch children, young people who have been through, like, trauma, um, you know, they, they uh, can display behaviours because of that, you know, as you, as, you can, uh, as you can understand. You know, they're trying to make sense of the world. You know, they're very confused, they're very angry about what's going on. You know, being removed from the parents is traumatic as well. You know, having a number of foster placements is traumatic as well. Number of um, people they've lost in their lives. So w when them, when young people who need that extra support, you know, we try and provide that support to the foster carer and the young person to get like therapy or anything like that. But sometimes young people aren't ready for for that support. You know, talking therapies and trying to understand their life story, um, and. Unfortunately, sometimes they do go into um, residential homes um, and, you know, they get that support then while they're living in a, in a setting where uh, maybe... Because sometimes the, care, the foster carers um, can't, can't um, sometimes manage their behaviours because it, it, it can be quite difficult. Um, and, but obviously with the residential settings, uh, which is obviously the last resort for any young person... Uh, we'll have like you know staff there and more support, but obviously that's in a very, very, very you know uh, exceptional circumstances. But obviously, 
that's why I think, like I said before, when we look at family, you know, children, young people are better placed with family. So that'll be the most reassuring thing both for them. But with the children who can't, we do try and make sure that we support the foster care and support the young people to get through the, the difficult times. I've got to ask this question. Uh, we won't uh, specifically say a religion, but if somebody is a staunch, whatever the religion is, is that part of the factors of putting them with uh, foster parents? Um, well, if the young person is from a certain religion as well, you know, we do try and match it. But, but unfortunately, you know, we don't have, um, you know, foster carers to meet all um, religious-specific needs. But however, the foster carers are trained and supported to understand that specific religion and whatever that they need in terms of, like, food and uh, religious festivals. And also, if foster carers are from that religion or any background... Um, you know, as long as they understand that if a young person is placed from a different religion or background, that they don't force that upon them and, and they're flexible in meeting that particular child's religion and background as well and heritage. Um, so ideally, yes, it would be good to match the religion of, of, of both child and, and foster carer, but there are times when the foster carer needs to be flexible. So, for example, if the foster carer says, I want to go to church every every Sunday and the young person's saying I don't want to go or the parents saying I don't, I don't want you to take that child to, to the um, to my ch- my child to the to the church then you've got to sort of make them wishes like you've got to meet them it's, wishes it's making but it, so the point I want to make over that so we've talked about the sexuality we've mm. talked about single we've talked about that your job is difficult isn't it your yeah, job yeah. is not because yeah. every single child, yeah. it's not one fits everything. Yeah. No, no. And that's why you've got to be flexible. Like Phil said, he thought he was learning Russian and it was Moldovan. But at the same time, like that young person was still from a different heritage, different yeah. background. And he, even though he's not from that background, he still tries to understand that. I think that's really, really important that the foster carers have that flexibility. And we also support them in understanding that, like the, the different religions. Because obviously Liverpool is a massive multicultural city and um, obviously we do need foster carers from every background but obviously the foster carers we've got you know are hopefully supported and uh, trained into understanding them different backgrounds yeah now let me ask you a question when you mentioned liverpool which is so diverse as we know what about children who live birmingham london glasgow if you can't find a child in that area are they moved to different areas and if so does that not cause problems yeah absolutely it does yeah Uh, you know um Every single local authority across the, across the whole of England is struggling for foster carers. So, yeah, children are unfortunately um, placed and, and living in out of out of uh, the borough and the cities that they're, that they're from. Uh, and yeah, we do have um, young people who are uh, from other other parts of the country, um, but obviously. You know, um, the, that local authority will then say to us, "We need to. We've got a like fourteen-year-old child, and we need to place them in Liverpool. Have you got any placements?" And we try. So to, you talk amongst yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah, And also, we've got obviously. Um, we have like a team within Liverpool as well, who like a commissioning team who will look at that as well to look at outside of uh, the city as well. I'm glad you told me that because it, it, it's it, it, we've got to realise on this podcast that it is a monster job, a monster job, and every single child is different. Uh, Phil, you talk to foster people all the time, and you talk at meetings and 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 and, and various conferences, etc. Some foster parents have had 
20, 30, 40 yet, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. just unbelievable. You're a school teacher as well, which makes life even easier. No, but it makes life easier for you because you are dealing with people all the time and you're dealing with children. What's the biggest... I hate being negative, but what's the biggest downsize to uh, fostering? Well, I think when you foster, there is a big international, national issue, but fundamentally you've got to go, this kid, this kid I can look after. This is the one that has landed in our house and we will do everything we can for them. But there's another side to fostering as well as looking after a child, which is going, I'm going to say going to war for them, so advocacy. So occasionally, and my wife is particularly formidable about this, you know, you'll have to go into their, the child's school because something isn't being done quite how you want. And um, I like to think that I'm... Uh, Polite but firm. Uh, if you cross my wife, she's even more polite and definitely a lot firmer. And so there is a, 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 occasionally a battle on that front too. How can this child, who's had so many disadvantages, has got so much stacked against them, how can they get the best education, get the therapy, get um, all sorts of other, you know, they, they, they should be at the top of the medical list because they've often been neglected so much. And that's another part of fostering that most people don't realise that we have to do. So I've gone to parents' evenings, for example, as a foster carer for a child, and gone, I, I know that you as a school get money for this child, pupil premium, you know, I don't want to go into all the details now, I'd like to know what that's being spent on because... Um, my child in my care deserves it. And I've, I've been, again, polite but firm, said, well, I think what would be great for this child is if they got an iPad, that it came in a really robust case because they have a tendency to get angry and chuck them about a bit. And also I think they should have this software on it because their literacy is pretty poor, because they've been neglected, they haven't been able to go to school. So, and, and by and large, schools will go yeah that's a brilliant idea but I didn't know that we would have to do that before we became foster carers yes but you have once again I'm sorry yeah. and you keep laughing at it you are strong a yeah. lot of people well, aren't yeah. like that at all so I never knew the school's yeah. got money for you, instance you, so. it, you, you learn that from your social workers but you also when you become a foster carer you kind of join this unofficial gang of other foster carers and my word do you learn a lot from other older wiser heads and we're a wonderful eclectic mix and I love hanging about with other foster carers because I've got a great friend that we did our training with she's I'm six foot one and I'm white and I'm heterosexual and I'm married she is what is she four foot eleven on a good day she's a Muslim lady from Somalia and um, and I'm thinking no one would think we had anything in common and that woman, I won't mention her name because she'd be so embarrassed, she is formidable with the children she looks after. And I have learned so much about her culture from her and also the heart she has for the children in her care. And just, just like we've learned, she, um, English is not a native language, her first language, but she will go into school or she'll go into Alderhay or go wherever she needs to go and goes, there's a child who needs my help and I am all they've got and I will do everything I can within the law within the law and do everything I can to make sure that kid gets what they deserve. What I've got need. to ask, how do you say goodbye to them? Because that's the bit <laughs> the, the, I could not The say. only thing that, they, that people say to them is now, going, oh, I wouldn't be able to do it because I couldn't say goodbye. And um, actually, uh, yeah, you have to learn to deal with that grief. And uh, one little man we had, it makes me tear up even now, even though it was years ago, when um, we were able, he lived with us for 18 months 
Um, his birth parents uh, couldn't look after him. No other family could look after him. Social workers came and they kind of, you know, social workers come a lot when you foster. And they did this little check on him and they went, it says on our paperwork, he, he's non-ambulatory, he's non-verbal. And I tell you this little thing. Let me stop off. you there. What's yeah. that word? Well, exactly. I was like, those words mean he can't walk and he can't talk. Anyway, at that, at that moment, I ain't joking here. He ran into the lounge, climbed onto the sofa, moonied the social worker and went, get a load of that and ran out. And sh- the social worker... When, so this is all wrong then, and I'm like, that's kind of the advocacy. The paperwork of this child made this child look like he would be really difficult to look after, but actually he wasn't. So they were able to change the paperwork because we helped them do that. Then this little man gets, uh, they find an adoptive family for him. So he's going, you know, the process that you went through, maybe you were tiny and don't remember it. But anyway, this family was found for him, and um, we... We met this family and we explained what he was like. They sent us photos, they sent us videos. We sent them photos and videos back. They came to our house. They played together in our lounge while we were in the back kitchen and upstairs. So we're keeping an eye, but we're just watching this new family blend. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And then on one day, uh, so that took about two weeks of them coming to a house, taking him to the park. He went to visit their house, had tea, had a little sleepover, came back to our house. And then one day, he'd gradually, social workers and, and this family, moved all his clothes, all his toys to their house. And then the, the, the last day he, he was with us, the front door uh, opened. Social worker said, OK, goodbye. So we're having a little hug. We'll say we'll see you soon because we were able to keep in contact with him. Social worker shuts the door and off he goes. We looked out the window. Yes, he's gone. And me, my wife and our birth kids all burst into tears. Absolutely heartbreaking. Absolutely worth it. I would do it every, every single day. I would do that because that child, our tears have given that child a forever home. So ladies and gentlemen, we've only, boys and girls, we've only just touched touched on this i'm going to go around the table now to say why should people foster but before i do i was one of the lucky ones i never ask you this on this podcast but i am asking you i'm begging you to pass this on to people that might want to discuss it i'm asking you to think about what's been said on this podcast and i want you to discuss it with your friends because if we all of you out there and you know i've got a huge listenership all of you out there just did one thing to help. It would be amazing. So it's taken my breath away. I could talk for hours about this because there's so much to learn. Uh, I'm going to go around the table to say goodbye and say, why should people be foster parents? And then we'll give the details of how you can find out. And then we have all done our job. And this is going out before Christmas. What a great Christmas present. I'm filling up now. What a great Christmas present for children. Karen, why should people be foster parents? I think it's just, in summary, it's, it's life change. You could change a child's life, but also change your own as well. And every time I meet foster carers and listen to them at our information events, I'm really inspired. But they always say, it is challenging, it's really hard, but what they get back is so much more than what they put in because the children give them stuff back as well. So it's... Yeah, it's just the best thing, the best thing. And how can they find out more? So they could visit fostering.liverpool.gov.uk. They could call our team on 0151 515 0000 or just follow us on social media and they can see see some real stories and see the difference that it can make. Phil, how do we finish up? 
So one thing that I think I've taken from today is that um, even though we've explained that it is a challenging um, role to do and you know, some young people can be, can be challenging, I do think that we need ordinary people from ordinary backgrounds to look after children within the city and whatever, whatever, whatever borough or wherever you're from in the country, you know, be a foster carer. Because I think when we are looking after the young people, the difference that I've seen the foster carers and the adopters make in children's lives is just, and compared to obviously what they might have experienced if they weren't, unfortunately, you know, taken, uh, not taken, but, you know, um, removed from the, from the parents, then, you know, it, it's made a massive difference. But ultimately, though, the family, the family members as well who step up as well to look after the young person have to give a good shout-out to them as well because aunties, uncles, grandparents, brothers and sisters of, of the parents all, all step up as well to look after the children of the city as well and, and they also need a, a shout-out as well. Here's a question before you give the details of how they get in touch, which I've never asked in my life. What about fostering around the world? Are there other countries... Does every country do fostering? Do you know? Well, yeah, I think every sort of um, country does some sort of fostering and adoption. Um, obviously, the, the Western world mainly, I think yeah. it is. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, it's, uh, it, is, it is massive, especially, you know, like I said, in, in the Western world and Europe and America and Australia. Um, but, obviously... It, Within the, within the British Isles, you know, we we yeah. we, we we definitely need foster carers. How can people find out more about wanting to be a foster parent? Yes, yeah, so we have we have a really good uh, Instagram, Facebook page, and um, you know the website as well gives a lot of information. So it's fostering.liverpool.gov.uk, and the phone number is oh one five one five one five zero 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 and that'll be coming directly through to one of our team and if you make an inquiry on the website we'll get back to you as soon as possible and please remember all of you out there there's no pressure that's what i love there's no pressure finishing up with phil the foster parent um who's given up some of his time to do this interview which i can't thank you enough the last word with you it's about- and keep it short this one <laughs> it's about justice it's about justice. There's over 1,500 kids in Liverpool who can't live with their mum and dad. If we can't find an, an auntie, an uncle or a cousin or a nan, they come into mainstream foster care. And if that were your child, you would want the best for them. And that's one of the reasons why we foster. It's just not fair because it's never their fault that why they go into care. So if we can look after one, if you can look after one, please get in touch. Uh, you make a world of difference to a child and to your own life. 0151 515 to finish off, please think about helping a child. Christmas is coming up and we've got 2024. What a wonderful start that if we, through this podcast and these three amazing people and to the team behind them, it would be incredible if we could give a start to children. And to finish up, I will say to everybody who fosters, There's no words. You're amazing. I was one of the lucky ones. It didn't happen to me. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Why not subscribe? You know it's free. So join us and tell your friends. It's great going on walks and doing whatever you want to do and then putting P-Price on. We've got a back catalogue of over 100 interviews. Join us. Subscribe. It's free.